Uh, open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Uh, if you have your Bible with you or if you've got your device, go ahead and uh, poke around until you land on Luke chapter 2. Uh, glad everybody's back together. Uh, just saw you a couple days ago or what was it, maybe 30 hours ago or something like that. Uh, but I'm glad that we get to spend this time, the day after Christmas, um, together uh, like this. Um, you know, Christmas is, is, is funny because we spend a, uh, a whole month of kind of getting ready for all, like, the presents and everything that kind of comes around uh, with Christmas. Uh, we take the whole month to get ready for it. And then after Christmas, the day after Christmas, we're kind of like, well, now what? What, what do we do now? I want to talk just briefly this morning about the now what. I want to talk about what do we do now after Christmas goes on. On the back end of Luke chapter 2, uh, Mary and Joseph, they've already gone through the whole journey. Everything that we get ready for Christmas for, they, they, that's kind of happened. Um, the angels have come. Uh, they've been talked to by the angels. The angels have already filled up the sky. The shepherds had experienced them out in the field. Um, they were out there keeping their flocks at night. The angels show up, and it's a big deal. That's already taken place. The shepherds, they've already gone to where Jesus is and what we know as um, our manger. They've gone to see the Savior. He's been born. All that's already gone down. And so Christmas Day, as we've come to know it, that's already passed. And so the timeline now, it's been about a little bit over a month or so since Jesus was born. And Mary and Joseph, uh, like remember, like these are good Jewish uh, boys and girls. And so they are fulfilling the law by taking their son now to the temple to present him to God. So they're taking Jesus to the temple so um, he, they can present him to God. And this part of the story kicks in. There are two people that show up that kind of gets spotlighted into the story that we just saw in the video, Anna um, and um, Simeon. And it's at this point, like we've never heard of these two people before. We've heard those names before, but we've never heard of these two particular people. They are a, a blip on the radar. We don't ever hear from them again in Scripture. And the only reason that these two people um, show up in the Scriptures for you and me to read about is so that we can see that they have two characteristics that each one of them have that are important for every disciple and follower of Jesus to have. They have two characteristics that every follower of Jesus and every disciple of Jesus need to have in our lives. They're really good at waiting. We find that out. They're really good at waiting and they're really good at worshiping. They wait and they worship. And Luke shows us that the, the people of God, People who are called according to his goodness. People who experience his faithfulness, who trust in his faithfulness. We're also to be people who are like Anna and Simeon. We're to be people of God who wait, but not just wait, but we worship in our waiting as well. The two really go well together. Waiting and worshiping, uh, I like to say they're kind of like peanut butter and, and jelly. Peanut butter and jelly. Um, you didn't think we were going to talk about peanut butter and jelly this morning, did you? I didn't either until last night, okay? Just so you know. Um, how many of you kids like peanut butter sandwiches? Yeah, right? The peanut butter sandwiches, they're okay, but they kind of need a little bit of something to go with them because a peanut butter sandwich by itself is kind of dry, uh, a little bit too dry. Um, how many of you like a jelly sandwich? Just a, just a jelly sandwich all by itself? Okay. All right. A jelly sandwich is okay, but it's maybe a, a little bit too sweet. But if you put peanut butter and jelly together, 
Like if you add them together, man, that's where the goodness comes in. A peanut butter sandwich is just dry. A jelly sandwich is just wet and kind of sweet. You throw those babies together, I'm talking about goodness. Goodness. I feel like I could live on that. They're good together. Waiting and worshiping are usually like peanut butter and jelly. They really go well together. And one of them usually leads to the other. It doesn't always happen this way, but one of them always leads to the other. On a personal scale of 1 to 10, how do you feel like you are at waiting on anything? Man, I go to like Walmart and I get in the line. Like there's usually like only one open anymore. But like I get in line and I'm hanging out the door and I'm like, when is this ever going to end? Like this is insane. Like I need to get there and I need to get there now. And so I'll walk up and down the aisles trying to find one. It usually ends up taking me longer. But at least in my mind, I feel like I'm doing something by walking around. I hate to wait. How do you feel like you're doing on a scale of one to 10 when it comes to worshiping? Just being a worshiper of God. Like sometimes we're really good at worship. Sometimes we're really good at waiting. We're not always good at both of those uh, things together, but these two things, they usually go really, really well together. In Luke chapter two, we bump into this guy named Simeon. We don't know a ton about Simeon, but here's what we know. Look at verse 25 with me. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout, and he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and, and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the, to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you've promised, I've seen your salvation which you prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your and, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, and many others to rise. He's been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. There's a lot going on in this little section of Scripture, but we find out in these, in these few verses a lot about Simeon here. The passage leads us to believe that Simeon, he's kind of an older fellow. We don't know exactly how old he is. We just assume that he's been around long enough to have gotten used to waiting on God's promise of a Savior to come. Like He's been waiting for this day all of his life. We read in these passages that Simeon, he was a righteous dude, like he was, a devout young, he was a devout guy, and he is what Scripture says, eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Some of you in your um, versions there, it says he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. And we don't know when this happened, but the Holy Spirit actually comes to Simeon and tells him, hey, you, before you die, you are going to be able to behold the Savior's face. You're going to get to see him with your own eyes. And this is a big deal, right? Because up to this point, the Holy Spirit hasn't like kind of shown up and talked to people like this. It's not until Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit comes like, like a fire and just kind of begins to move in ways that's, that's not seen in the Old Testament or in the intertestamental period of time. Acts two, after Acts 2, like the Holy Spirit starts showing in all kinds of different ways. But up to Simeon's day, this hasn't happened, for, but for whatever reason, we don't know exactly how this happened, the Holy Spirit has told him, you are going to get to see the face of the Savior. It's an amazing thing at the time. I'm going to focus 
on what Simeon experiences here in this eagerly waiting piece in verse 25. What's it mean to, to eagerly wait for something? Usually when we're waiting for something or for somebody, we've kind of got our watches out, don't we? And we're kind of waiting and, 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 the, and wait for the, the seconds to tick by and we're waiting for something to happen and we're watching the timer. When I was in uh, seminary, we had a notoriously late professor. Always late, like frustratingly late. You'd go to class and uh, he, sometimes he wouldn't even show up. Uh, sometimes he would, sometimes he would be 45 minutes late. But there was this unwritten rule that if a professor was 15 minutes late, you could, ju- you could just bounce. I don't know if it was legit or not, but after 15 minutes, like how many of y'all experienced a 15-minute rule, 15 rule when you're going to school? Yeah, but so like you'd wait for 15 minutes, and if he didn't show up, man, like we were gone. And so you would wait there, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and then like as soon as you hit one, like we were gone out of the room. Every once in a while, though, like he would show up. And he showed up like 45 minutes late, and then he would still teach whatever he had. For the, and then you were accountable for that material, which I thought was pretty wrong. Sometimes our waiting is in trivial situations like that where, you know, it's class. It's not that, not that big of, of a deal at the end of the day. But sometimes it's a bit more significant than that. Sometimes our waiting is a little bit more dry. It's a little bit more painful. Uh, it's uh, hard to worship in those seasons, it feels a little bit more just trying to like get peanut butter down your throat without the jelly. Um, it's more difficult for us. Sometimes when we wait, we're waiting for an answer to test results. And we've been waiting and waiting, and uh, we don't know how it's going to go, but we know it's going to alter our life, and so we're just waiting. And it's hard sometimes to worship in those moments. Sometimes we're waiting on our prodigal to come home or for our spouse to come back. And it's hard to, to wait in moments like that because it's, it's difficult. And it's, it's, not only is it hard to wait, but the waiting when we've got the stopwatch out and we're clocking this thing, it makes it more difficult to even worship. It just feels like we're sucking down peanut butter. Sometimes we present our requests to God and we're waiting for the peace that passes all understanding. We're waiting for God to give us this uh, peace that surpasses all understanding and so that we can begin to, to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, but we don't feel it yet. We haven't yet experienced that. And so our watch is out and the timer goes off, and the reality is we're just done waiting. We may not be done with the situation or the scenario, but in our mind, we're just done waiting for it to get any better. We're, we're done hoping that we can worship in a scenario that is this difficult. And in that waiting, what we find out is that sometimes our trust is really set on our own timetable. It's not on God's timetable, it's, it's on our own timetable. But this eagerly waiting that, that we read about with Simeon, it's not a stopwatch that's kind of dictating um, our own timetable. Eagerly waiting is, is full of faith. It's full of, of hope. It's, I believe this is going to happen. I believe that God who promised, he is faithful. I believe the Holy Spirit who spoke, and he is trustworthy to bring this about. I believe the Holy Spirit is able to bring this about. This eagerly waiting is full of faith in God's ability to fulfill his promise. And catch this, to fulfill his promise on his timetable and not our own timetable. I was thinking about this last night, and it was challenging to me. I thought, man, am, am I really good at waiting and worshiping on God's timetable, or am I good at waiting on my own timetable? Am I good at worshiping and waiting when God is coming through the way that I want him to, to come through? And there's a significant difference between those two. And I was challenged by it as I thought about it last night. 
And Simeon, what happens is that we get a picture of a guy who got used to waiting on the promise of God to be fulfilled. And he didn't wait um, until he uh, got everything that he wanted. He, he wasn't just waiting to worship, when ev- waiting for everything to get fulfilled. He worshiped God in the midst of his waiting. While he was waiting, he was still worshiping. Scripture says that he was righteous, he was devout, and he was waiting and worshiping, and that was a good thing, those two things together. That's why when Mary and Joseph come onto the scene, you don't see uh, Simeon go stomping over to, to the mother and the father of Jesus and kind of look at him and be like, where you been? Like, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting on you, but you didn't show up, but now you finally decided to come into town. Like, that's not the story that we get of Simeon. Like, he's not an angry guy just showing up. That would be a real twist to the story, wouldn't it? Like, we read about Simeon just kind of stomping over there. That would change the whole thing. But what we read about Simeon is that when he sees Jesus coming in, and we don't know exactly how he understands that this is Jesus, well, we already know that the Holy Spirit and he have had some kind of communication. He notices that this is Jesus when he comes in, and he runs over, he scoops the baby up in his arms, and he worships him. He's able to worship in this moment because that's what he's already been doing in his life. In the waiting, he's been worshiping. And he says, I've seen his face. I can die in peace. You're good and you're faithful, and your promises come through. Simeon is a guy that we read in Scripture. He is really good at waiting, and he's really good at worshiping, and those two things go together really, really well. So I want to ask you, what are you waiting for right now? What are you hoping for right now? Is it leading you to a place of worship, or is it leading you or keeping you away from from worshiping? Simeon leads us to worship while we wait, and it's a good thing. And so let's look at Anna here real quick in verse 36. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of uh, Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. How traumatic of an event is that? After seven years, the husband's gone. She becomes a widow. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked, about the, she talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Here's what we find out about Anna. She's a prophetess. And that might wig us out a little bit because we don't normally hear some of that, but what that means is that for her whole life, She has been dedicated to helping people understand who God is and what God's up to. She's been explaining what God's been doing. Um, She's been married for seven years, but then all of a sudden her husband dies. And during that time, women were usually married fairly young, right? We talked about that with Mary, um, being just a a young teenage girl um, who was betrothed to Joseph. And so she she married this guy, most likely young. Her husband dies at a very young age. And so after her husband dies, what she does as a widow, she dedicates all of her time to serving God at the temple and giving her heart towards worshiping, worshiping through prayer and fasting. She's 84 years old. So that means decades of her life after her husband is gone. In her youth and in her advanced years, She's not too young, and she's not too old. At every stage of her life, she's serving, and she's waiting on God to fulfill his promises. And guess what she does while she waits? She worships. She's waiting, and she's worshiping, because waiting and worshiping, usually they go really, really well 
together. And what we don't see is this angry, bitter woman who shows up at the temple every single day, a bitter worshiper at the temple that's mad because her husband's gone and that God hasn't sent Jesus yet. That's not who we get. The picture that we get is of this woman who is so in love with God. She is patiently waiting and serving, whose life has been full of, of ups and downs, but worship has filled the halls of her life. Worship has filled her heart, has filled her mind. It's become the rhythm of her days. And she worships and she prays and she fasts all while she, she waits. And somehow she overhears what's going on with Simeon. Simeon is ecstatic at what's going on. He's blessing Mary and Joseph. He's talking about the Savior who's there and just amazed at what's there. And so Anna hears about this. She runs over with excitement and sees Jesus, and she bows her heart as well. She believed that God was faithful to his promises, and she worships in her waiting. Again, I want to ask you, what are you waiting for right now? What are you waiting for? What are you hoping for? Is it leading you to a place of worship, or is it keeping you from worship? So Christmas Day is over, right? We, we've moved past that, so what do we do now? I think we do what Simeon and Anna did. The only reason that they're in this book, the only reason why Luke writes about them is to show us how to wait well and how to worship well. They show us what it looks like for the rhythm of our lives to be filled and full of worship. While we wait we worship while we wait. It's peanut butter and jelly. It's waiting and it's worshiping and the two are going to go together really, really well. And so this week, I'm, some of you are going to be heading back to work. Some of you aren't going to be heading back to work yet. You've got a few more days. But I want us to think about like, how do we worship the Lord? Some of us connect to God in different ways. Some of us connect with God through his word, which we should. Some of us connect through prayer, which we should. Some of us connect with God while we're out uh, running on a trail and we worship in that way. Some of us um, sing music and we worship in that way. Some of us read books and we get to experience God in a different way. However the Lord has wired you to worship, this week in your waiting, the thing that you're hoping for, spend time uh, worshiping. There are two characteristics that we, that we learn from Simeon and Anna. We wait well and we worship well while we wait. He will fulfill his promises. He is good. And so, make yourself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Wait and worship the king. He is good. He's really good. Would you pray with me? Father, your promises are yes and amen. We sang, we sang about it. Um, we've got uh, things to do. We've got places to go. Um, there are things going on in our lives right now, things um, that are really hard to wait on you to show up in. Um, but you showed up once. You fulfilled the promises of, uh, of prophecy. Uh, and you promised that you're coming again, and we can look forward to that. Uh, in our waiting, we can worship, because you've said you're coming again, and you're going to come again. And so where, where we wait, fill us with hope, fill us with worship. Where we are uh, hurting and in angst, sure us up in that place. Send us out of here this morning full of hope and joy and excitement. God, that you are at work, that you are faithful to your promises, that you are good in whatever our circumstances. Father, would you, uh, um, 
Help us to make a, a sandwich of, of waiting and, and worship this week, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys.